What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Process Podcast. I am Charlie Litkowski, and once again, I am without my co-host, Nick Veronica, this week. But don't worry, filling in for him is Greg Tomset of Cover One. Greg, I appreciate you hopping on and joining us today. Yeah, I appreciate you. We're looking forward to it, man. It's a it's a fun time to be a Bills fan here. We got people taking pay cuts to come join our team. I don't even know how to handle it. <laughs> it you know, it's it's something strange. My my wife and I have been together for about uh, five or six years. I, I hope she doesn't listen and, and I get in trouble for this. But we've been together for a while, and and she's seen me at like the point where how does this guy want to come to Buffalo? Why is Buffalo not doing anything? And getting to the point now where I'm freaking out because guys like Levi Wallace are saying, oh, I need to stay in Buffalo no matter what we do because we're going to win a Super Bowl. Oh, I, I could read that post over and over and over again. Um, I, we'll talk about another guy who, who took less money to come to Buffalo later on. But, yeah, the fact that Levi Wallace said, don't even respond to the counter offers or any of the other offers out there. I want to go back to Buffalo. I don't really care how much it is. We're going to win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could print that on my tombstone. <laughs> That's I, just I, amazing, man. I shed a tear or two. I mean, I'm not going to lie. You know, I think a lot of Buffalo and Bill's Mafia did. Um, But, I mean, it's like you said, it's an exciting time right now to be a Bills fan. And some rumors going around uh, regarding a certain tight end, which I want to talk to you a little bit about, too, uh, towards the end here. But, uh, man, let's just jump right into it. Let's just start with what Buffalo's done so far in free agency and start with the first few moves they did to restructure some contracts, keep some guys around. Uh, you know, and, and let's start on the offensive side and start on the offensive line. So, you know, obviously bringing back Daryl Williams, I I got into a lot of debates about, you know, if you had to choose, do you want Milano, who's probably a better linebacker than Williams as a tackle, or do you want the tackle because tackles are more important and they protect the quarterback and the quarterback's the most important thing. So the fact that, you know, obviously we'll probably talk about in a second here. We got both was fantastic, but mm-hmm. what really was exciting is that the number that we got Williams at. So I thought Daryl Williams could have got 11, $12 million a year. You look at some of the other deals that tackles got and the fact that he came back for $8 million a year in the first year cap number 6.1, that's really, really good value. So you're talking about paying a guy as you know, the 19th, 20th, 21st best right tackle. I'm comfortable with that. Last year, he played like a top five, top 10 right tackle for stretches of the season. So the fact that we got him at such a value is really exciting. Then you add in John Feliciano. You know, I I thought there was a chance they would go shopping a little bit higher into the pool there, but obviously Mm -hmm. they cared about bringing those guys back, keeping the band back together. Um, Then you exercise the RFA tender on Ike Botker, and now you have the entire line back from what you had the previous year. So, you know, probably need Cody Ford to come back and be healthy and take a material step forward. I wouldn't mind an investment in the draft, but if our worst-case scenario is we have the entire line back that we scored 500 points with last year, it's probably not too bad. One thing I've seen you guys put out a lot on Twitter is Cody Ford at left guard and how much more comfortable he seems to be there at left guard. Is that where we're projecting he'll probably go next year with Feliciano coming back? I, I have to assume so. I have to assume that it starts, you know, if we don't add anyone in the draft, and this is just is what it is, I have mm-hmm. to assume day one it's Dawkins with Ford getting the first shot, Bakker is the backup, Morse, Feliciano and Daryl Williams and that they roll that way. It seems like that's Ford's most comfortable spot and getting 
value back from the high end investment we made in the draft. You know, Cody Ford was a 38th pick overall, you know, barely a second round pick, a very early mm-hmm. trade up in the early second round to get him. Um, we need him to pan out. We need him to be yes. the player that he was drafted to be. And I and many other people thought he was a guard coming out and that it was actually misguided to try to make him a tackle at the beginning. And then he was hurt last year. So now if we get a full off season where he could be healthy focus on one position and then give that a shot. I, I'm hoping we get better play than what we saw. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter and, and, and throughout all the, 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 the bills, Reddit sites and things like that, talking about why are you going to bring back the same O-line? Uh, Cause they had issues in the run game. I'm one of those guys and my, my usual co-host Nick is one of those guys who thinks that the bills run game wasn't so much a running back issue as it was a uh, offensive line run blocking issue. Yeah. Um, are we wrong in thinking that, or did you guys see something different from when you went back and looked at the tape than what we what we saw? No, no, you're not wrong. Um, so the challenge is how much of it was the injury, how much of it was the changes. So mm-hmm. the two best run blockers are probably John Feliciano and Cody Ford. Um, Daryl Dawkins, Mitch Morris, and Daryl Williams are better linemen, but they're much better pass blockers, and each of them are better pass blockers than they are run blockers. Mm -hmm. Um, Dawkins is probably pretty good at both. Um, So when you talk about that, if we have a chance to have a full healthy season with Cody Ford and John Feliciano, maybe that helps it. Now, I would have preferred an upgrade. I was a big fan of Kevin Zeitler before he signed with Baltimore. I wouldn't have minded going after Gabe Jackson. I wouldn't have minded. I was kind of hoping Andrew Norwell got cut loose from Jacksonville. He ended up taking a pay cut to stay. You know, so a lot of the names that were out there, you saw Richie Incognito go back to Vegas. The guys who were out there, they all kind of got soaked up. So there's not an obvious answer out there free agency-wise. So the draft is probably the last stab at it to really make any material difference in it. So I I think you can tell yourself a story that a full healthy season and a step forward from Cody Ford being healthy could solve that. But you're not wrong. That, That was the reason the run game didn't work last year. We're bringing back the same line. It's it's not unreasonable to think that we're going to be a really good passing offense again and not that great running the ball. Uh, speak, and, and we're talking about the running game, and one thing I've seen you tweet out a lot about is there's a certain running back that just became available today who got his tenure removed from Denver and Phillip Lindsay, who you seem very high on. And you, you have said if Buffalo can go out and get Phillip Lindsay and a, and a tight end that you think, you know, they, they, they have the offense at this point. Yeah, so it's funny. He adds a dynamic. He adds the exact dynamic we don't have, long speed. He mm-hmm. was ran, ran a 4.38 in the 40, a um, lot of breakaway runs. I don't think he's a bell cow back. I don't think he would be coming in to take away, but it would be a true three-headed attack that we would have and a guy who actually adds some explosive run game potential to what they're doing. Now, I'd love to have just some stud that can do everything all at once, but I think he's a, a relatively moderately priced ability to do that. So when you talk about a guy, you know, all the other guys who have signed deals, Mark Ingram was $2 million and change. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Hyde was $2 million and change. A lot of those guys. Jamal Williams was a touch above there at $3.3 million. So I have to think Lindsay's in that ballpark, maybe three, three and a half million. So, you know, I, I think there's a chance 
that they'd be able to do that combination. But I think that he adds a dynamic we don't have. And whether it's Lindsay or whether it's someone in the draft, I think there's a chance that we'd be able to put all of that together and, you know, add one more piece to the offense uh, on top of hopefully the line improving. Do you think um, Philip Lindsay could command Kenyon Drake money? Um, He signed a two-year, $14.5 million deal with Vegas today. I mean... It's possible. I I mean, he's got 2,000-yard seasons. uh It's... The the, the tough thing for him... So him, uh, you saw, you know... Kyle Fuller got released tonight by yep. the Bears. You know, those are two really good players that if right. they were available three days ago might have demanded that. But some of those guys who are going to spend huge money on cornerback or running back already did. So mm-hmm. now it's a question of is that what he deserves? Probably not. But is there anybody left who's also going to spend seven and a half million dollars on a running back? I'm not sure. I don't know. Um so you haven't seen – there's a couple other guys. The running back market's been slow. So you haven't seen yes. James Conner sign with anybody. You haven't there's, – there's other guys out there that haven't signed. So I'm not 100% what, what he'll get, but that running back market is really tough to crack the, you know, more than $5 million and change number. You saw Carlos Hyde got $5 million – uh, not Carlos Hyde, uh, Hunt. With uh, yes. Cleveland, Cream. got got five million. Kareem Hunt got five million last year. So, you know, uh, James White is a guy that's interesting. Uh, if you're talking about bringing in a pass catching back, a guy with that that kind of experience, Chris Carson's out there. So, I mean, Lindsey's talented and exciting. And if someone wants to pay him that money, God bless him. Um, the Bills will not be spending to that end of the pool for running back. Is my my guess. But if uh, a name that I have liked and Nick has not liked <laughs> is Leonard Fournette. Um, is he a guy who could be on Buffalo's radar? Now, Sports Track has him uh, at eight and a half million. I think from what you're telling me, that could be a little high now. Maybe that was three days ago money. Um, but could he get a little bit less? I know there's reports out right now that New England is looking at him and has had, had conversations with him. Uh, but is he a guy that Buffalo could be interested in? So I think – there's a fair amount of similarities to Zach Moss's game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's probably a better pass catcher than people realize. He's a really good pass catcher out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. So I'd be interested in it. He was a guy who was a lot of fun at LSU, and it hasn't quite translated in the same way. And part of that is Jacksonville's terrible. It just never really uses anyone <laughs> yes. all that well. So I don't know for sure how much was him. And then you saw he played pretty well for Tampa Bay and had some great stretches through that playoff run. So um, he's certainly talented. All of those guys, so whether it's James Conner, James White, Philip Lindsay, Leonard Fournette, I am completely price tag driven. So if you just tell me, hey, whichever of those five guys signs the cheapest deal, I'll take that one. Um, That's pretty much where I'm at now because the Bills have used up all of our cap space and any other moves we need some restructuring or some other finagling to be able to fit somebody in. So I'd love to add a Carson, a James White, a James Conner, a Phil Lindsay, a Leonard Fournette. Just give me the cheapest one. So if they bring in one of these backs – what do you think happens to a guy like Devin Singletary? I mean, he's a guy that Buffalo seemed high on when they brought him in. Same thing with Zach Moss. They they spent, you know, a, a, a high draft picks on both guys to bring him in. 
I know a lot of people are saying even Buffalo may even look at the draft to bring in a running back in the first round. There's a lot of good backs out there. I get it. I'm not a fan of wasting first round picks on a running back when you can go and get running backs, you know, later in the draft who are just as good. Um, maybe I'm just being a, a hometown guy, but I am really high on uh, the kid from UB. Yeah, Jared um, Patterson. Yeah, yeah, real, I'm real high on Jared Patterson. He um, ran a good forty today, actually. He just, I, they I, had their pro day. I did see that. I saw he had a good 40 and you know, all that's going to do at this point is help his draft stock. I'm hoping maybe he's around for Buffalo in a, you know, uh, day three type of scenario for the bills, but what's going to happen to Devin Singletary. You bring a guy like this in and what's going to happen to a guy who bills mafia Twitter's big into as well. Antonio Williams. I, I know he had a, had a good game against a bad dolphins defense, but yeah, I think – so Williams is a good story. He's very mm-hmm. much a Duke Williams or a Brandon Riley. Or Bills fans love to cling <laughs> to whoever the great underdog story is there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be super careful not to read into coming in in the second half of a Week 17 game of a team getting blown out that knows their season just ended and mm-hmm. doesn't really want to tackle. And you have a guy coming in trying to like earn his life's work in that, you know, trying to make a name for himself. Right. That is the perfect combination <laughs> for broken tackles and to look great. Um, so I'm not saying Antonio Williams can't play in the NFL. Maybe he can. Maybe we stumbled onto something special. Right. That's not the game that told me that. So no. I'm perfectly fine with him coming back and competing. If they find something special in, in camp, great. Um, Outside of that, I mean, Devin Singletary has got back-to-back 950-yard seasons from scrimmage. Like, mm-hmm. he's got 1,900 yards from scrimmage the last two years. It's not like he's been bad. He was less efficient this year than he was last year. So, you know, that was – he went for 5.1 yards of carry down to 4.4, but he caught more balls this year. Um I think they like Zach Moss a little bit more than him. That was starting to show down the stretch before Moss got hurt. He was starting to get the majority of the touches. Um, It all depends on the move. If there's a material investment, any of the five names we talked about, they would push Singletary significantly for his job, let alone maybe a roster spot. Um, You know, I had a couple people that I wasn't really prepared for it in the talks about, hey, what would it take to get Zach Ertz? A couple people mentioned that, like, oh, well, what if we sign someone and send them Devin Singletary? Like, oh, um, I guess I hadn't really thought about it, but maybe. I, You know, so I am I think he's better than fans realize. I think right. the team still likes him. I don't think he's by any means on the outs. And honestly, if they just run it back with, you know, Moss, Singletary, and Antonio Williams were probably fine. Like, that's probably not a terrible backfield. Exactly. Um, But I I don't think – I do think he'd be the odd man out if they brought somebody in. I just don't know if I expect that. And you talked about how he was kind of the odd guy out towards the end of the season. Um, Even in the playoffs, you started to see a lot more of TJ Yeldon, who I I thought as well, you know, he didn't get a fair shake in Buffalo. You know, he was he was the healthy scratch often. Um, but I thought he and looked honestly, good in played his time. decently well when he played. Yeah. And that that catch against Tennessee this year that he had in the end zone was, you know, something of beauty. I mean, great pass by Josh Allen, but that catch in the end zone and I mean at that point it was a me- meaningless touchdown, but beautiful catch there by TJ Eldon. Um all right, so let's talk before we get into my favorite signing so far free agency, I want to talk about the wide receivers. 
Buffalo made a big splash bringing in Emmanuel Sanders, who was someone that they were high on last year, but they were actually talking to before they sprung the deal to bring Stefan Diggs in, uh, which was a, a year ago this week. Crazy enough. It's, it's all blended together at this point. Um, fast things change. Right, right. Uh, so now, I mean, you look at this receiving core. You look at uh, they got Davis, they got Beasley, they got uh, Diggs, and now they're adding, adding Sanders. Uh, Beasley, Diggs, and Sanders are three of the best route runners in the game, hands down. The only thing they're losing now from, from losing Brown, they're, they're losing that speed on the outside. So a lot of people immediately went to, what well, did we get better? Did we upgrade? Did we downgrade? And I, uh-huh. I tried to calm people down. That we changed. It's different. Uh-huh. The team showed us what they prioritized. Obviously, with the remaining people of Diggs and Beasley and now adding Emmanuel Sanders, they care about route running and getting open a lot. Yeah. And those are the three of the best route runners, like you said, in the NFL. And, you know, I think that you talk about, Sanders is 34, but he stayed pretty healthy. Brown is 31 with some injury issues. I'll call that a wash. Mm -hmm. Um, The production recently is pretty similar, honestly. So obviously Emmanuel Sanders had much better production early on, but that's with Roethlisberger and Peyton Manning and and that kind of production. But even the last couple years with terrible quarterback play, he's still averaged 820 yards a season at Mm -hmm. 31, 32, and 33. He's been really good. Um, I think that he's steady dependable he's going to get open he's going to catch the ball he has exceptional hands one of the lowest drop rates of any receiver in the nfl he catches everything that goes to him he's not john brown from a long speed standpoint he's not and i love smoke brown he's one of my favorite players you know i thought i love the free 15 yards he would get in the second half because he would have the cornerbacks terrified and they'd start you know giving him tons of space and he'd get those free 15 yard comebacks um he was a really good player you could tell from his comments in the interview, he was hurt when he got released. He didn't want to leave this team. He wanted to be a part of this and to come back and try to win again. Um, I think the team's going to be fine. I do think that right now we've lost three receivers and only added one. So we've lost John Brown uh, as of right now, Isaiah McKenzie, and then Andre Roberts signed with Houston. Um, so I don't. we're not done at receiver. I do uh-huh. expect there to be another addition with that long speed, with that return ability that might be in the draft. Um, but, you know, if as long as we do add that, which obviously have, we, right now we literally don't have a kick returner on the roster. So <laughs> I, I do expect that we're going to add that. Um, and then I'll feel a lot better about the rounding out the wide receiver group. I won't be surprised if uh, that's where they go with their first pick or if they trade back in the draft and go receiver. A lot of really good receivers there with some speed and returnability. Uh, You look look at the kid from Florida. Kadarius uh, Tony. Kadarius Tony, yes. My wife would kill me for forgetting that name. She is a Gator, (laughs) uh, and she loves Kadarius Tony. Well, you got um, Rondale Moore. You got yeah, um, yeah. a lot. Some people like Elijah Moore. You know, a lot of guys in that range who I think could be really explosive weapons. That same jet sweep action that McKenzie had. I I always used to joke. I wish Isaiah McKenzie and Andrew Roberts could be one person. Like yes. I, I like their role, but I hate that it's two roster spots and two pay. You know, two salary cap hits. If we could just combine that into one person. Um, you know, I'd love to have that guy and those kind of guys, Rondell Moore, Kadarius Tony, those kind of guys would answer that question. The only thing that I would like to see them add at some point as well at the receiver position is some height. I feel like they got a lot of guys who, you know, Diggs is what, six foot? I think uh, Sanders is about the same. You got Davis, who's six two, 
Um, you do you do have Hodges coming. Uh, Hodges to, is the the question mark in that one. I, right. I, I, it's funny. I liked him coming out more than Gabe Davis. Um, so I. so uh, Gabe Davis was an awesome surprise last year. How good he played. But I, I liked Hodges a lot coming out. Also, mm-hmm. again, awesome hands. One of the best catch rates coming out of college. Um, I kind of think he could be a sneaky. Kind of like Gabe Davis was this year. Like, not a ton of overall production, but some big catches and some touchdowns. Um, I think he could add to that. But, yeah, we don't have a mismatch, matchup nightmare guy. We don't have a guy that's, you know, open when he's covered. Like, we just don't have that guy. No, we have guys who get open very, very well. Um, But, yeah, I I wouldn't hate that to, to bring in somebody like that to be a weapon. I've heard a lot of guys, people throwing out a certain two two players uh, that Buffalo may look at, uh, actually three. Uh, Cordell Patterson is one. Marquise Goodwin is a second. And I don't know if I'm being fooled by a fake train wreck sports account, but I am seeing some information about Sammy Watkins, who is a high school uh, schoolmate of mine. Uh, I don't really care if he comes back. I wasn't really a fan of him one way or the other. But uh, I guess, have you heard any truth of Sammy Watkins rumor? And can you see Buffalo signing any of those three guys? So first we'll say the report that they put out is conveniently accurate. They just said that he's in Buffalo, which is true. It's not to visit the Bills. Okay. Um, So as far as I know, that is not anywhere that's in the works. I do think it's accurate that he's in the city of Buffalo. Um, I don't believe that it's on a free agent visit or anything involved (laughs) with the team, but I do think that people have seen him and he's in the city. Um, The other two I think are somewhat real. One of them I'm I'm excited about. The other one I don't think is as realistic. Um, Marquise Goodwin is one of those guys that it's, it's a fun story. He's an awesome person. He's a really great human being who's one of the fastest dudes who's ever been in the NFL. But he can never stay on the field, and he's right. played something like eight games in the last three years, including the opt-out last year. Um, if he was a camp invite with no guaranteed money and no guaranteed roster spot, and then he stayed healthy and looked good, sure. I'd love to. Sure, I'll give him a stab at it. Um, Cordero Patterson, I'm interested. So Cordero yes. Patterson... Yes is you're talking about combining TJ Yeldon plus Andre Roberts into one roster spot, that kind of thing, plus some of that jet sweep action. Um, You know, the Patriots kind of unlocked what his position should be, and now them and Chicago have figured it out. He can kind of be a situational running back and a great kick returner and has some of that kind of jet sweep action to him that he's still a big fast athlete that you want to get the ball in his hands um so i'd be very open to that i I think it might cost three or four million that ballpark at the the age that he's at now and the situation he's in i think he would love to come to a winning situation where he knows he's going to be the primary returner we have we've shown that we have a role for that jet sweep kind of guy he would even be a better version of TJ Yeldon because you wouldn't need to make him game day inactive because he's active as the kick returner. So then, you know, some of those games where somebody got dinged up and you didn't really have another guy to go to because we only dressed two running backs. Now all of a sudden you got a third running back that's there. Although technically I think we re-signed Taiwan Jones today. So um, he was always there in case of emergency technically. Um, But yeah, I I would be very open to Patterson. I'd actually be pretty pumped about it. Another guy before he signed, I was excited about Jamal Agnew. He was yes. a guy who was very much that kind of uh, – he actually had punt return too. So he was a guy that I would love to have as that, you know, running back, jet sweep, 
kick return, punt return guy. Um, but I, I would love to have the draft go that route. So I'll be happy if it's Cordero Patterson. Longer term, more sustainably, I'd love Kadarius Tony, Rondale Moore, one of those kind of guys. Do you think uh, Kadarius Tony or Rondale Moore is going to follow the Buffalo at 30 or if they decide to trade back? So the only thing I'm certain of with the draft this year is that no one has any idea what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that, um, that seems accurate. It's so one. It's like that every year. We think we know who's going to go where, and then DK Metcalf goes sixty-four, and you know we have no idea. We have no clue what's going to happen. But the one I, I'm a gif now uh, is my reaction to when the Raiders took Cleveland Farrell fourth overall, and I almost lost my mind uh, live on the show. <laughs> um, so nobody nobody knows what's going on regularly. Then you add in this year, fewer college games, opt outs, no mm-hmm. combine. No in-person on-campus visits, weird limited pro days, weird limited medical information. No one has any idea, and there is never going to be a year in draft history where there's more variance from team board to team board. There are going to be guys that one team has ranked 15th that somebody else has ranked 78th. It's just how it's going to work. There's just so much different information that's out there. So, obviously, I do all the mock drafts i read you know all the different guys the espn guys and the draft network and all the other places that do it i know the online twitter consensus of where people think people are going to go and honestly 80 percent of that's probably right you know that it's not like it's all wrong but there's going to be several guys that we're going to say oh my gosh i can't believe he went in the first round or oh my gosh how is he still there in the fourth round and we're going to have no idea why or how so in general I do think that that first round pick, we would be hoping that a Rashad Bateman fell or someone like that, or it would be maybe the right spot for Kadarius Tony, Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, one of those guys. If you get into the next area, you know, Dwayne Eskridge, uh, Amari Rogers, Deami Brown, uh, Demetric Felton, uh, Daz Newsom, there's guys like that that are really fast, good returners that I think have some potential, but you know, whether they're a third round pick or a fifth round pick, I have no idea. I I just don't know who's going to fall where. Um, There is kind of a tier and a drop off once you get past like Rondale Moore. Like there's Mm -hmm. a top, there's a group of a top seven or eight receivers and then a pretty healthy drop. And then I'm curious to see who, who ranks who where after that. It's a pretty good offensive line draft, correct? Oh yeah. Very, very deep. Uh, So, there's obviously Penny Sewell is the the top end of it, mm-hmm. and then a little bit of a drop off from there. But then a whole bunch of tackles that could go later in the first round, and then the guards are different. Where there's a ton of second and third round guards, but maybe not as many first round guys. Elijah Vera Tucker's maybe the one guy that people really like in the first round, but there's a ton of guys when you get into that second round. So if we have a chance that. Wyatt Davis, Creed Humphrey, Landon Dickerson, one of those guys make it to us in the second round, I'd be really excited. Landon Dickerson would be a really exciting signing. I feel like I'm, I'm, I, I like him a lot. I thought he looked good all year. Well, you uh, talk about short-term, he competes with Ford and Botker. Long-term, he can replace Mitch Morris. It's a, a great fit. Ex- exactly. Exactly. He'd be a perfect and, – and he's that exact word that McDermott and um, Bean mentioned so often, he's versatile. You can use him anywhere on the line, and he, he would be a, a perfect plug-in now or, you know, perfect rotational guy for that offensive line, um, which is a, a, another piece that I feel like they still need to add a, 
few more uh, depth guys for that offensive line going forward. But we'll see what see what other magic Bean decides to work up. But man, he worked some magic today and addressed one of the biggest positions of need on this team that Nick and I have been talking so much about. And that is the backup quarterback position, signing Mitch Morris to a one-year, $2.5 million contract, which just, first of all, to get a guy like Trubinsky to come in at $2.5 million is crazy. Well, you talk about Jacoby Brissett, $7.5 million, Tyrod Taylor, $12 million, Andy Dalton, $10 million, Ryan Fitzpatrick, $10 million. Every other higher-end backup quarterback, which, you know, for everybody who wants to crap on Mitch Trubisky, he was still 6-3 and three last year with a pretty good run and ended up like 18th, 19th, 20th in every metric. I, mm-hmm. I don't think he's a good starting quarterback, but I think he's one of those guys that's probably the 25th best quarterback in the league, the 28th best quarterback in the league. So you're telling me he's a backup now? He's arguably the best backup quarterback in the NFL. Like it's, it's really exciting to be able to have a guy who at worst is a top five backup quarterback in the NFL. And then you tell me he's making a third or a quarter of the money of the rest of those guys. It's unbelievable. We, we have for the first time in my adult life, people are taking a discount because it's good for their career to mm-hmm. go to Buffalo to rehab their image and to build up, you know, going to a quarterback factory with, you know, Ken Dorsey and, and Brian Dable and to learn behind Josh Allen. And that's good for your career. That's mind blowing to me that that's now a perception in the marketplace. And I love the fact that, you know, being thought about this ahead of time. And, and he said today in his uh, uh, press conference, if anyone missed it, he, he mentioned that, we know Josh Allen likes to run. We know that Josh Allen likes to tuck, tuck those pads and, and take a hit or two. If Josh goes down early in the year, I'm comfortable. Bean's comfortable. McDermott's comfortable. We're all comfortable with Trubinsky coming in and being that guy. And I feel like at that point, Buffalo's not going to lose a step. Yeah, it, It's really – that's the biggest key. You know, it's – I always used to joke about um, – the Tom Moore quote forever guy would always ask him like, Oh, Hey, how come we aren't, uh, he was the longtime offensive coordinator for the Colts and, uh, players would ask him, Hey, why aren't we taking reps with the backup quarterback and say, Hey, you see number 18 over there. If 18 gets hurt, we're beeped and we don't practice beeped. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of like that. That Well, if he's gone, we're screwed anyway. So why practice that? Exactly. Um, with Josh Allen, and like you touched on it perfectly, his style of play, it's not crazy to plan that you might need a game or two without him. And obviously, if he went down for the year, that's much, much different. But if you're telling me there's a three or four game stretch where we lost him to a high ankle sprain or something like that, and we had to play four games with Mitch Trubisky, with this roster, I feel good about that. Like I feel, And I feel significantly better about that than, you know, than going into it with Matt Barkley. And you saw that in the second half of the the Jets game when he had to do it before. And, you know, obviously he didn't have much to do with the Dolphins game. <laughs> that was mostly no. the running game yeah. and the huge lead we already had. Um, but he just was never going to instill much confidence in what's there. So now it's, it's just an insurance policy. And the fact that you got a really high-end, nice insurance policy for cheap money. And if he does rehab his image and then go sign somewhere else the next year, then you're talking about a comp pick you could get back and you could get a much better comp pick than what the uh, $2.5 million cost us. So really you're just getting an insurance policy that turns into a draft pick later on. It's, it's all good. What about Jake from? 
So my proposal to trade for Zach Ertz was a fifth round pick and Jake Fromm. Um, so I, I do feel like adding Trubisky means this is a two quarterback roster spot team and that we don't need a third quarterback on the roster because you only need that when one of them's a short-term backup and the other one's a longer-term answer. Um, I kind of think that Davis Webb on the practice squad is the emergency third quarterback is sufficient. We're going to find out what they Mm -hmm. think about Jake Fromm here is that if they see him as a long-term investment, they'll figure out a way to do that. Um, I have a feeling they're going to play games with the practice squad or the roster spot to not have to keep uh, one more productive, talented player off the roster. Um, I wasn't a fan of the pick. I wasn't a fan of him coming out. I don't think that he has, you know, material starter upside. And if your if your potential is career backup, we could find those guys every year. Those guys are available all the time. Um, so I'd love to get some value from him. People, some people thought he was a third or fourth round pick and fell to the fifth. If that's mm-hmm. the case call around and find one of those teams that had him graded as a third or fourth round pick and get me anything. I don't care what the pick is. Get me anything in return and just get some return on that investment and I'd be happy. Um, If it ends up that he just gets cut, I won't lose a minute of sleep. Yeah, I I think um, without really knowing what's going to happen so far, right, with the season, with COVID and and how they address it, I won't be mad if they address the Jake Fromm thing the same way for another year. Sure. And just sure. feel like, hey, you know, you we, we have someone that we can trust. I also don't know how much this coaching staff has really seen Jake Fromm work, right? Because he was always working away from the facility. Yeah. So how much of Jake Fromm did this coaching staff really see? Now, they did see a lot of Davis Webb, so they know what they like in Davis Webb. And at one point, they called Davis Webb up to the main roster, I only did to, to, to scratch him. Yeah, game day uh, inactive. I, I think right. that was more of just a, a nod to him of getting getting him an active game day check. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was still – I've heard really good things about him as even a future quarterback coach, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I I'm I would feel just as good with a break glass in case of emergency game that Davis Webb had to play versus Jake Fromm. I thought – you know, it's funny – uh, Davis Webb is only 26 years old. I feel like he's been in the league for like ever. <laughs> he even like if you told me he was 34 and then showed me a picture of him, I'd say, yeah, that looks right. That's uh, what I thought. <laughs> like it, it's it's super weird that it, and you want know it's even weirder if you put him and Matt Barkley next to each other and told me one of them was 32 and mm-hmm. one of them was 26, I would have bet you so much money that Matt Barkley was the one that was 26 and Davis Webb was the one that yes. was 32. Yes. Uh, it's really funny. He he looks much older than what he is. You know, and it, 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 when we, when Buffalo brought him on the practice squad, I'm like, man, like they're bringing in a veteran to be on the practice squad. Like, oh, what a great sign. And then I'm like, wait, <laughs> he's only 25 years old. What What's going on here? But I, I, I think he's a guy, too, like you said, if he's a guy that you got to kind of break glass, see what happens, I'm okay with that. Uh, my biggest concern is I was going to, like I said, going to be the COVID stuff going forward, what happens, uh, and what does the league allow and what don't they allow? And then when it comes to Jake Fromm, um, you, you know, you said we'll find out really what this coaching staff thinks of him. I feel like we kind of figured that out already when they still – in week 17 in really a meaningless week 17 game still didn't dress him for the game. And they only dressed two quarterbacks. I thought for sure that would have been the game that we would have seen 
Jake Fromm come in and maybe get some garbage time fourth quarter minutes, and we, and we didn't. And I feel like at that point, we know what this coaching staff currently thinks of him. Uh, and then bringing in Mitch, Mitch Trubinsky as well, you know, I get it, right? It's, it's a guy that you look at sitting out there as Brandon Bean, hey, this guy is, is an upgrade over what you have and then what's currently there. But I feel like at the same time, if they had any confidence in Jake Fromm, they would have just ran with Jake Fromm as the number two guy. 100%. They, they, I don't know that it's everything about what they feel about him, but I agree. Uh-huh. If they really thought they had something special there, you would have wanted to see those reps in that game. They uh-huh. would have found a way to do that. The only guy that I would have liked to see them sign other than Trubinsky, and I was very excited about Trubinsky, don't get me wrong, is, and maybe I'm just being like a fanboy here, but I would have loved to see him bring in Alex Smith. I would have loved to see Alex Smith be the backup to Josh Allen. It's that veteran backup that Josh Allen has had throughout his career in Buffalo that I feel like he could have been that guy to just kind of continue to guide Josh Allen a little bit more and keep Josh Allen – I don't want to necessarily say humble because I feel like Josh Allen is humble enough, but uh, keep Josh Allen's progression going the right way. Sure. Hey, I was open to him. Um, honestly, Fitz or Tyrod, I wouldn't yes, be fine Fitz. with either of either of them coming great. back. Um, yeah. I wanted an upgrade there. Any of the, I wanted Dalton. I would have been. I, I would have been fine with Cam. I would have been fine mm-hmm. with Jameis Newton. Um, I wanted a guy that if Josh went down, I felt like we're going to be okay. So mm-hmm. um, I think we got the best of that group in the sense that so. there's no baggage. There's no other issues. There's no circus that comes with it. That some of the things would have come along with having Fitz back or Tyrod back or Cam um, or even Jameis maybe to that point. Um, I think that we got the least noise in that and still one of the guys who's equal and on par mm-hmm. with the rest of those players um, that, you know, if he goes down, we got a decent quarterback, and, and that's fun to have. So let's touch on the defensive side, and then real quick I just want to get in uh, with you regarding what Buffalo can do to save some cap space, right? So they signed or re-signed and extended Micah Hyde. Uh, they brought back Levi Wallace. Um, stars coming back this year. Um, they're losing um, Trent Murphy on the defensive line, but obviously they got Epinesa there for, I guess, backup. Epinesa did have a, a better second half of the season. He, he came he on nicely toward, yeah, second half. Uh, I feel uh, like he's Quentin Jefferson. Can, yes, Quentin Jefferson, who a lot of people were upset about. Yeah. My um, partner I, th- was, I think you were, yes. Eric was very upset about it. Yes, <laughs> Eric was yes. very mad about it. Um, it was... It, so it, I think obviously the biggest piece is bringing back Milano. Um, mm-hmm. That was a, the huge piece of it. Micah Hyde is the quarterback of the defense back there making all the calls. Um, you know, they kept all the important pieces of the defense. Now, do I prefer Quentin Jefferson to Vernon Butler? Yes. Was I as upset about it as Eric? No, no, probably not. Um, <laughs> I just cared that whoever stayed took a pay cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mario Addison and Vernon Butler taking pay cuts to stay. You get Star back to truly play the one technique. You know, last year they're asking Butler and Jefferson and Ed Oliver to play out of their position as one tech is was a, a terrible issue with the run defense. So I think that's going to help. I think Star coming back helps Edmonds and Milano in how they play. Um, that combination, I think that we're in good shape. I. I still, you know, I wanted a high-end pass rusher the same way that inserting Stephon Diggs up at the top made it that 
all of a sudden now John Brown had wide receiver two coverage and Cole Beasley had wide receiver three coverage and Gabe Davis had the season he did because he was going against other teams fourth cornerbacks or just holes in the zone a top-end pass rusher could have done that for us where you push Jerry Hughes down to two and Addison down to three and Epinesa down to four I don't know that that guy's out there anymore you know Terrell Basham signed with the Cowboys today I was kind of upset about that um Melvin Ingram is a guy maybe you saw the the deal Hassan Reddick went for and some of the pass rushers aren't getting huge money so you know maybe there's a chance that Carlos Dunlap or Judavian Clowney or Melvin Ingram could be had for six or seven million dollars and it could be doable um beyond that I, I think that it's probably in the draft and I think that we're in a spot where you could take one of those kind of bendy toolsy you know, athletes, uh, Jason Owa is a guy that people like, Osai from Texas is a guy people like, you know, a whole bunch of people in that range around that, that first round pick. I think that you, when you have, I was a fan of Epinesa. I thought he was coming along well. And if you tell me you can get one of the guys from Miami, Jalen Phillips or Greg Rousseau, um, whoever that they like, I I don't know who they're going to think is the top guy. Um, and you can afford to give them 35 40% of the snaps and bring mm-hmm. them along slowly behind Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. And then next year, Epinesa and that first-round pick are now the starting ends, and maybe Hughes is the rotating third defensive end. That's something I could get behind. So that's one where I, I my preference is they use the first-round pick on a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. But um, I think there's other guys who could be more exciting. But I think long-term roster building-wise, that's the spot that makes the most sense for me. What do they do... Um, to address Kansas City, right? Kansas City is right now, currently still, I, I, I don't think there's any doubt about it, Kansas City's offense is still the best offense in the AFC. That hasn't changed in the few days of free agency. I don't think that's going to change unless there's a drastic trade somewhere. Buffalo may be close. Obviously, if they can land Zach Ertz, I think that helps Buffalo a little bit. But the defense was the issue against Kansas City. And one position you hear a lot of, and if you could talk about it just a little bit, is the big nickel position, the Buffalo nickel position. What exactly, for those who don't know, what exactly is that position and who could Buffalo maybe be looking at to fill that position? So it, it, it's tough because we've never used it. So it's very theoretical in what mm-hmm. we think that it would be. Um, so it, it's, it's something where... It happened in Carolina by necessity where, hey, we already have Thomas Davis and we have Luke Keekley, but we drafted the Shaq Thompson guy. We need to figure out a way to get him on the field. So he was kind of like Milano. He was, you know, like 6'2", 230, kind of a safety, kind of a linebacker. And they turned it into what they called a big nickel where you're really kind of in a base defense, almost with three linebackers, but you also have a guy who can cover and get out in space. Um, That intrigues me a lot. I like the Uh idea of that. So um, some free agents that are still out there, Jaquiski Tart is a guy from San Francisco who could play that role. Keanu Neal is a guy from Atlanta who could play that role. Um, And I know a guy we talked about pre-show, Nicholas Morrow from from Las Vegas with the Raiders is a guy who could play that role. Really good in coverage, can move a lot. Um, in the draft last year, obviously everyone like Kyle Duggar and Jeremy Chin. This year, that's probably like Hamsa Nasruddin from Florida State, um, or there's a couple other guys. Jacoby Stevens from LSU is a guy people like. There's a couple of the safeties who might be able to play around there. Maybe Jabril Cox from LSU. There are guys you could do there. The draft guys would take longer to develop, but what it would do is that you take that eleventh defender 
and you can now make it a timeshare or a platoon between, you know, 15, 20% of snaps from AJ Klein, keep him as a special teamer and a backup Please. to Edmonds <laughs> and Milano. Um, and then 40% for Taron Johnson and 40% for this guy, who's maybe a little bit better in run support. Or even, I I don't know for sure that they'd go this route, but in true, you know, two-minute drill situations, third and long, you could even take Tremaine Edmonds off the field and have Milano as the linebacker keep Taron Johnson and this other coverage safety as a guy where, you know, if they want to run the ball in third and 17, God bless you, go ahead and run the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got guys out there who can run and cover, you know, so it's almost like an upgraded Dean Marlowe. We didn't really get to use him in that space as much because he's, you know, limited as an athlete and as a player. Uh, but I'd love to find a way to have that weapon. And I think that having sets where you can go three safeties, three cornerbacks, one linebacker, or three safeties, three cornerbacks, two linebackers, three defensive linemen, I think is a, a necessary tool in modern NFL defense with the passing games. And mm-hmm. I think it might be a path to playing with teams like the Chiefs, where you send three you have Milano and Edmonds plus a nickel corner plus a third safety. That's a way that you get there. And you asked earlier, we also need an injection of speed and explosiveness at cornerback. Um, yes. We've we've bandaged it together really well. We've had good defenses without elite talent. I'd love to get a Greg Newsom out of Northwestern or an Eric Stokes out of Georgia or a really fast, explosive cornerback that you don't need to throw in day one. You could afford to bring along and develop because you have the safety net of Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson that were probably fine for the first while. But you bring a guy like that along, that could be a pick at the 30th pick. Or some people like, you know, um, Efedi Melifanu from Syracuse later on, mm-hmm. Asante Samuel Jr., guys like that. I think one of those, I, my preference would be our first two picks are cornerback and defensive end and our first our first three picks are interior offensive line cornerback defensive end some combination like that and it's why i want to trade down because i want one more pick in that top 100 picks um and i think there's a lot of guys i like between kind of 45 and 75 so if we can trade down a little bit and you get me an extra top 100 pick i'd be really interested you talk about that kid from florida state he seems to be on everyone's mock draft board to buffalo everyone who's doing mock drafts which is a lot of a lot of bills mafia twitter right now uh seems to really be really high on him well, and so you want to find an example of that. Who was everyone's favorite value pass rusher coming into free agency? Everyone wanted Carl Lawson because everybody right. thought they were going to get a good deal. And I kept telling people, if everyone thinks he's the best deal, he's not going to be a good deal. Yeah. He got $15 million a year from the Jets because everybody's like, oh, well, I want Carl Lawson for $8 million. I'm like, well, if everyone thinks that, <laughs> he's not going to be $8 million. So when everyone has Hamza Nasruddin as their third or fourth round pick, he's probably not going to be a third or fourth no, round pick. No. Um, so I don't think he shoots up to the first round, but um, I think he goes higher than people think. Yeah, I think he's going to be a, a, a late second round. Uh, you know, maybe if, some, if we some, get if we got him to pick sixty one, I'd be per, I'd be excited. I think that'd be yeah. a good value. Um, I think we might be lucky. I think we might right. see him go before pick sixty one. But and then you also look at last year's draft where they were talking a lot of uh, AJ, AJ Epinesa being a first round guy and falling yeah. to Buffalo there. You know, in the second round, like you said, the draft is so um, unpredictable with no with no combine, none of that stuff. It's kind of all over the place. Um, and, and and finally, I want to know what Buffalo can do to uh, get some more cap room. I know there's, I, I know you're a big cap guy, 
So kind of p- put it put it on us. I know there's some moves they can make regarding uh, digs and regarding a few other players. So how can Buffalo free up more cap room and just go out and continue to better this roster? So there's a couple of them. We've done some already, um, obviously, with the pay cuts people took and the moves that were there. The three easiest ones are contract restructures. And people talk about restructuring contracts, and it's usually guys who you don't want, like for you, AJ Klein. Um, mm-hmm. Well, what that mm-hmm. does with AJ Klein is now you can't cut them next year because you restructured it and you added dead cap to next year. You want to restructure guys that you don't want to cut. So for me, it's Tredavious White, Stephon Diggs, Deion Dawkins, guys like that where there's no chance we're going to cut any of those guys in the next couple of years. So what do I care if we shuffle around? You know, Trey White has a $10.4 million base salary. Uh, Stephon Diggs has 12.4. Uh, Deion Dawkins has 7.3. With those guys, you can create $15 million in cap space just by cutting them a check today. Uh-huh. That's intriguing to me. Um Jerry Hughes isn't under contract next year. If you want to extend him, give him an extra year, reduce his cap space this year, give him some security next year. You could probably free up about $3 million there. Beyond that, they've done most of the moves. You know, they got pay cuts out of a ton of guys. You got Mitch Morris to take a pay cut, Vernon Butler, um, you know, t- Tyler Medikevich, guys that people thought might be cut, Mario Addison, all took pay cuts. You've already trimmed off quite a bit of it. They've also been creative with the contract. We talked earlier about Emmanuel Sanders. For the first time that I've ever seen, Brandon Bean used void years on mm-hmm. Emmanuel Sanders. So a void year is kind of... Emmanuel Sanders technically signed a two-year deal, even though one of the years will never happen, but it lets you prorate the signing bonus over two years and reduce this year's cap hit. So this year, Emmanuel Sanders will be a $4.6 million cap hit, and then next year, we've already go- we're already going to take a $1.3 million dead cap hit next year for him, but it lets us spread it out when the cap's going to go up next year. So that combination, you do a restructure, on Trey, Deion Dawkins, maybe Diggs, maybe you extend Jerry Hughes, and then anybody else we bring in, you'll need to get pretty creative with those void years and, and reducing the caps uh, down pretty low. You know, I'm 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 curious to see how they end up working this, right? Because if they go and get a guy like Zach Ertz, I think Zach Ertz is going to have to renegotiate some parts of his deal and money to come to Buffalo. Um, and it sounds like now NFL rumors is reporting right now that. Uh, the Eagles are still looking for the best deal for Ertz, and it looks like before it was the Bills and Chargers seem to be the last two. Now it seems to be the Colts and Rams and Bills have all approached. Uh, the Colts could be a team that, that, that could definitely uh, land land Ertz, especially with Carson Wentz there. Uh, and we know I'm sure Wentz is lobbying for it, for sure. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Does Buffalo really need that upgrade at tight end? I mean, that that's one thing I didn't ask you on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so it's a good debate and I've, I've had it several times with people. There's a chicken or the egg element of did the bills go to more 10 personnel for wide receiver last year because Dable thought it was the best fit in his scheme or because he saw we didn't really have any talent at tight end and we had four good wide receivers. I don't know which, I don't know which drove that answer out of necessity or out of design. Mm -hmm. Um, a piece of me, looking back at his history with the Browns, with the Dolphins, with Alabama, with the Patriots, he's used tight ends plenty of times in those other spots. So my my belief is that he doesn't think we have talent at the tight end position, but we did at wide receiver, so I'm going to lean into that and use it. So I'm not of the belief that there's no chance Dawson Knox can end up a good tight end. Mm-hmm. I think he could. I hope he does. Hope is not a plan. 
I can't plan for that and put all my eggs in that basket. So I think Zach Ertz gives us a material upgrade. He would come in as the most productive tight end in Bill's history. We've never had a tight end even close to what he's done. And even at age 31, he'd still be pretty darn close to the best tight end we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, I think last year was kind of an anomaly for him. It was He was injured. He's not injury prone like people think. He's played way more games than people think. Um, he's played 14 plus games in seven out of his eight seasons. Like So this idea that he's some injury prone guy that isn't real. Um, he was injured last year and he tried to play through it for a trash team with a dumpster fire of an offensive line and terrible quarterback play. And yeah, his numbers look bad because the whole everyone on that team's numbers look bad. Um, I think there's an opportunity to buy low and to bring in a really talented guy who still has two or three good years in him. And if you're telling me we could restructure that to three years and 18 million, something like that, um, with maybe even a lower cap hit, maybe four or five million cap hit this first year, but some guarantees that he's going to get the rest of that money, I'd be open to that. I think that he would be worth it. Sadly, it really drops off after that, and there's not a great opportunity for any other you know you're talking the Richard Rodgers and Trey Burton's and Dan Arnold's of the world if we get anybody else in in free agency um so I'm sure Carson Wentz is pushing Indy to get in the bidding for that it did help that um a lot of the other teams that were in on it signed guys today you saw Gerald Mm -hmm. Everett signed today you saw Kyle Rudolph signed today you saw Jared Cook signed today um, so one that hurt the bills cause it took options off the market. It also hurt the Eagles cause it took trade partners off the market. Um, I have a feeling Brandon Bean's going to play chicken with them and right. maybe he's got a backup plan. If they brought in, you know, Daniel Fells got released today by Houston. He's probably more of a Lee Smith replacement than a, anything that actually impacts anything. But right now, as far as I'm concerned, we have one tight end on the roster. We don't know if Tommy Sweeney's ever going to play again. Right. Reggie Gilliam's listed as a tight end, but he's a fullback and a special teams player. We have literally one tight end on the roster. So we're going to add more than one. And even if we traded for Zach Ertz, we could still sign Daniel Fells or a guy or Richard Rodgers or a blocking tight end like that. So now I, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but you did bring up a, a, a point that my co-host Nick would hate if I didn't mention it. You brought up the fullback position. And this is something Nick and I talked about at the end of the year when we were looking back at the whole season. And one thing we looked at again was the run game. And we said, well, could be on the could be on the line, could be on the running backs. But the one position Buffalo did not have this year that they've had in years past when they've had success running the ball is a fullback. DeMarco was gone this year. They didn't really have anyone fill in that position. You, you mentioned Reddy Gilliam a little bit, uh, but could a fullback be someone or, or, or an H-back type of player be someone that they bring in to kind of fill that position? So it's, it's interesting you say that. It, that would be one of those spots where you need a guy either – I mean, so let me step back. The kind of player Reggie Gilliam is is what you want. Mm-hmm. So you want a guy who can be an H-back, can be a special teams contributor, and can play fullback. Because mm-hmm. it's hard to keep just a fullback. Because right. it's just not, we don't run the ball enough, and we don't run the ball enough in heavy sets for one roster spot just for that. Um, so you want it to be a guy like Gilliam. Now, if they either, he did well, or they upgraded. I know some people like Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame, who's like a, a better version of where Reggie Gilliam is special teams guy, tough blocking tight end H back fullback type. Honestly, I hadn't really thought about that, that having that lead blocker available to be able to open things up on, on offense for 
the obvious needed short yardage rundowns where they know you're running anyways. Um, we don't really have that guy. So that would be interesting. Is that is there a guy that could upgrade that? Is Reggie Gilliam ready to take a step forward? Is there a guy in the draft that would do that? I'd want it to be a versatile piece who's an H-back, fullback, special teams guy. But if they can find that guy or Gilliam takes a step forward, I'd be open to it. The one guy who I was hoping that they'd go go get was Juszczyk, and he resigned in, in San Francisco. For a but, bajillion dollars, $27 million dollars for a fullback. It's crazy. And I, I also found out, and I didn't know this at the time, that he was almost struck a deal with Buffalo a few years yeah. back, but his wife didn't want to come to Buffalo. I didn't know that, which uh-huh. hurt a loss. Buffalo's the best city in, in America. I tell yeah. everyone that. Sh- shame and, on her. Yeah, shame on her. She's missing out on some of the best food of her life. But <laughs> um, one guy that, that that is available still is Anthony Sherman from Kansas City. He's a guy – he reminds me a little bit more of a DeMarco type of fullback. He, where... he's, a, he's much more of a traditional – like uh, fullback, fullback. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with, with that type of traditional fullback, you're also going to be able to possibly in play action situations when he is on the field, possibly give Josh Allen that little extra pass blocking, like what you were getting from a, a Lee Smith, right? We saw less of Tyler Croft this year towards the end of the year because Buffalo wasn't getting the best offensive line play because of injuries or whatever. They felt like they had to play Lee Smith more. Could a guy like a Anthony Sherman just maybe be be a guy that they're interested in strictly for run blocking and use him in passing situations just as that extra blocker for Josh Allen? I mean, it's certainly an option. I would say I would prefer to look at, I mean, that Jacob Johnson that mm-hmm. uh, New England had before, or maybe even Anthony Ferkser from Tennessee, who mm-hmm. is more tight end slash fullback kind of guy. Um, I think there's a chance you could do something like that. But, yeah, I mean, if they felt like Sherman had another year in him and was ready to keep playing and that he was the answer to be able to give them a true, you know, real hand-in-the-dirt, you know, face-mask-to-face mask kind of fullback, I'd be open to it. As long as Josh Allen doesn't try to throw the ball 50 yards downfield to the fullback in double coverage anymore, I'm I'm, I'm, the very right fullback. If he, if it was use check, you might be able to pull that off. <laughs> well, but uh, that's true. That's true. If it was use check, I'd be okay with it. Um, final question for you because this is going around a lot as well. Um, Josh Allen's extension. Buffalo is going to exercise that fifth year. I assume on both, right? Josh Allen and Jermaine Edmonds. I think they'd yeah. be done if they didn't. Um, 100%. I am, and Nick is as well, strongly against. Well, although Nick does has told me that he has a pros and cons list right now for why to extend and not extend Josh Allen, but I am on the train of don't extend Josh Allen. And and real quick before we get your answer, Greg, I want to tell you why I'm on that train. Don't extend him right now. And later on, obviously, yes, do it. But right now, I want to see if you can get a similar second season to what Josh Allen had this year, right? And two, I'm also want to I also want to see how Josh Allen plays with fans back in the stands, right? I feel like some of Josh Allen's poise this year was because there weren't those fans there to get him riled up and and, and going, right? I feel like regular season Josh Allen with no fans was Josh Allen you want. Playoff Josh Allen when there were fans back in the seat, I felt like Josh Allen still played good, but I felt like playoff Josh Allen took a step back from what he was all year through 17 weeks of the season. I want to be able to see another 
Josh Allen. I'm not, I don't even need him to take another step, right? I just need him to be consistent to what he was last year. Don't extend him right now. Uh, l- let him take, you know, let him show you that he can be that quarterback another year. I think that's big. A guy that we both follow on Twitter, uh, a common guest on the show, Bray, uh, okay. seems to not be the biggest Josh Allen fan at times and seems to give Bo- Bill's Mafia a lot of crap. And I know you and him have gone back and forth a little bit on it as well. As have I, him and I have text conversations going on and on about it. And he actually wants to come on and tell me why we're all wrong and he is right. But um, I'm sure he does. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm fighting not having him on, but he wants to have a good argument. We might might allow him on the show again. But uh, at, at the end of the day, right, Josh Allen needs to be able to show you that he can do it year in, year out, two years in a row. But at the same time, I'm nervous that he's if he does have that another good year MVP caliber season, does he come back and demand Deshaun uh, Watson money? Uh, uh, I don't want to necessarily say Pat Mahomes money because I don't think he is there. But, I, I mean, I feel like Deshaun Watson is still getting paid a lot of money. He's a good quarterback. But that's Dak, a, Prescott, Dak Prescott just got $42 million. Dak Prescott's another one. I mean, for for where where we are as a franchise, right, the, the, the Bills are finally relevant again. I don't want to see them dump $50 million a year into – one player. I don't care how good that player is, right? Um, I'm I'm hoping that Josh Allen is a lot like his childhood hero, uh, uh, Tom Brady, and says, "Look, I'm going to do what's best for the team." But at the same time, for Brandon Bean, where do you come in and say, "Okay, Josh, let's talk extension," and then where do you see Josh Allen maybe coming at money wise? So, I get that hesitancy. Um, there are guys that I have a lot of faith in and trust in that also want to see one more year and are have gun shy issues from Carson Wentz and Jared Goff in the contracts that they signed. Um, one, I, I think Josh Allen's playoff performance is being vastly underestimated. He, okay. he threw for 272 yards a game, six touchdowns, one interception. Mm-hmm. Had, you know, it still completed 65% of his passes he still played really well. Like he, he had he played well in the playoffs. He's the reason we won the Colts game pretty single handedly. Absolutely. The I'm fine waiting. Um, I think the reassurance people are looking for to have a second season versus the likelihood of him playing good again and then costing more money isn't worth waiting. Like I, I, if you, the odds of him turning into a pumpkin and crashing back to earth and like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we paid this guy versus him having another MVP caliber season where he costs way more money or landing somewhere in the middle. Like you obviously could the two extremes. I think it's more likely he has another season like last year than that he crashes back down to earth and that, oh, thank God we didn't resign him. So I think that when out of those two extremes, it's more likely he's going to cost us more money. Mm-hmm. Now, separately to your concern, in modern NFL roster construction, I understand the hesitancy of paying a good quarterback. I will also say it's impossible to be good in the modern NFL without a very good quarterback. And you want to know how I know that? We just watched it for 20 years. 
<laughs> that that hey, you you got a great point there, and that's so and I'm with you on that. If it's fifty million, now fifty million is a slight exaggeration. I do think it's ten years and four hundred million. I think it's forty million a season, okay. um, and if it is it's simply the cost of doing business. And right. when you look at the playoff teams, you know, it's, it, it, there's just not many exceptions to the rule. Quarterbacks decide it. You know, people were all excited. The Patriots have done a ton of really good work for the last couple of days. Now I think they overpaid some of it, but I like a yes. lot of the names they've added, but you want to know what in today's modern NFL, the other 52 guys on the roster are about 50%. And the other 50% is quarterback play. Mm-hmm. And I'm not that nervous about them because they don't have a quarterback. And it doesn't really matter the rest of the roster. If Josh Allen plays like last year, we're going to be really freaking good every single year. And it's it's just the way that it go. you know, the, the seasons, the down seasons that people give a hard time for the Packers with Aaron Rodgers or the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, we're still pretty darn good. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it's when you have one of those guys letting them out of the building – is just too much of a risk. Now, I think the personality Josh Allen has, I don't think he's going to hold a grudge or turn into Dak Prescott and try to hold out for the franchise tag. But that's also a risk too. Because if you... So you take the approach that you're taking, which I think is the more prudent financial path to wait mm-hmm. and see it again. You have to realize you're talking about humans here. What does that tell him? That tells him you're not sure. Right. That tells him right. that, hey... You know, last year was nice, but we need to see it again. We're not sure. What, if that's you personally, what do you say? Like, well, what the hell? I thought you guys were all in on me. I thought we were doing this together. So if you think you're going to get a hometown discount and tell him we don't trust you and we want to wait a year, those two (laughs) things are not happening. You're not getting both. The only time you're getting the hometown discount is to do it now because you're telling him that, hey, we're all in. We're with you. And then you might get it. If you tell him that, well, we're not sure. We're not sure if you deserve it yet. We want to wait. And you ask for the discount next year? No, no, no. He's going to want Dak Prescott's money next year. Absolutely. Um, So now that still might be worth it. It still might be worth it to wait and say that, hey, we want to see it one more time. And then you want to know what? If you do it and our our biggest problem is, oh, my gosh, we have a quarterback with back-to-back MVP caliber seasons. Great. That's a wonderful problem to have. Mm but you know, I I don't I don't think the path, I don't think you can thread that needle to find a path of we're gonna wait and we're gonna get a good deal. Yeah. So real quick, what does that do to if they if they strike a deal with him this off season or at some point throughout the season? What does that do for their cap hit now? Uh, does that count against the cap now, or do they finish out where they currently are in the contracts with him? It's now the good news is it's totally up to them. And the okay. reason, the example I'll give is when they announced Patrick Mahomes' 10-year, $500 million contract, it was really a 12-year, $526 million contract because mm. they, they, they tore up the fourth and fifth years of his contract but then restructured it so it was the exact same cap hit as the fourth year of his rookie deal and what his fifth year contract would have been they just restructured it that way to fit in the bills could do the exact same thing where so patrick mahomes has practical guarantees like when you look at the amount that's technically guaranteed in patrick mahomes deal it looks like it's like a hundred million or something like that in practical guarantees of what they could actually get away with it's like 250 million that's guaranteed that by the time he plays two more seasons 
uh-huh. is $250 million because all the roster bonuses for him guarantee three years ahead of time. So they would have to cut him like next year to get out of this deal, which is there's no chance they're going to do that. So once you once he plays two more seasons, all of it, like the first half of the deal, first two-thirds of the deal are guaranteed. And anytime you want to get out of the deal, you'd have to cut him and eat like three years worth of contracts to eat it. So mm-hmm. um, that's also what you'd be signing up for with Josh Allen. Now, the way they did that, any year that they want, they could get a ton of cap space back and help themselves out. The, the Chiefs set it up that way to give themselves the option. But that's the good and the bad of having a franchise quarterback nowadays. Right. It's, it's going to right. cost a ton of money. You can set it up to be team-friendly. And now that area is an area I do think Josh Allen would be very willing to do. I think he would do a very team-friendly structure to help the team. So when people say hometown discount, I don't know we're going to see that in the price tag as much as it is the structure, where he's going to set it up that he can help the team, and every year they're going to have some little option they can play with to create a bunch of cap space, and that it'll they'll cut him a check that day, but it kicks it into five years into the future. Um, so he's going to make plenty of cash, but it might he might have a year where he has a $19 million cap hit and then another year where it's a $60 million cap hit or something crazy, um, but they'll play with it like that when they can afford it. You know, if they if they give Josh Allen two hundred fifty million dollars guaranteed, that guy can go and buy the entire town of Orchard Park at that point. For all I care, I'm I'm fine with that. Or 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 buy the new naming rights to uh, to Bill Stadium, which still haven't been announced, which I thought we were going to get already. But Me too. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll people we'll were see. joking. You could give him two oil wells and the Sabers and just call it even. <laughs> Why? That's it. Go buy the Sabers. I I know. I, I see your tweets on a nightly basis uh, saying hashtag Greg doesn't know hockey. I I do get a good laugh at your uh, at your tweets regarding hockey. Um, which People is one think thing it's we, a joke. I really have no idea what's going on. <laughs> which is one thing we do talk about on the show, which kind of makes us different than everyone else. Is we talk all Buffalo sports, so we nice. do talk a lot of hockey on here. Um, but not so much this year. It's been too depressing. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm mad at people that they didn't warn me for what I I was picking this season to learn hockey. It's been been terrible. It's been so painful. Yeah, I mean, if if you want to learn hockey, just don't watch the Sabres. (laughs) And it's funny because, I mean, it's it's obviously the only games I've watched. But, um, yeah, I I feel like I'd be learning more if I watch another team. You know, living out of state, I I, I buy the package for the Bills games. I buy the package for the Sabres games. Halftime because my wife watches every Real Housewives of whatever city or county is on every other night. And I don't want to watch that, so I, I prefer to sit here and watch the Sabres lose again four to one every single night and then my wife asked me why i'm so depressed every night well it's because this team can't win a damn damn hockey game but besides the point uh so greg i i do ask one question before we let you go before and, and i promise you this is the last one because i know it's getting a little late but uh i always have to ask when we have new guests on especially guests from buffalo i gotta ask when you're in buffalo where is your place for chicken wings <laughs> so it's definitely bar bill for me. Okay. Um, that, that's, that, that's, that's my number one stop. I also, so my, a lot of my family is in the Southern tier down closer to Chautauqua Lake, Jamestown area. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of sneaky, good places down there in Jamestown that are also very, very good. But when I'm in Buffalo, when I'm there with my friends, uh, bar bill is our stop. That's my number one pick. Barbell is great. I have a lot of friends that are big fans of Barbell. And Barbell and uh, 9-11 Tavern seems to be the big ones. You know, we had Luke Russert on a few months ago, and Luke Russert came on, and he was like, man, if I don't say 9-11, I'm going to get in so much trouble because that is the <laughs> one place we go every time we're in town. Yeah. 
you say know. no mo's you know a lot of people yep. like that you know there's you know it, it's there's a lot of favorite plays almost yeah yeah, yeah. um so there, there's so, i always joke it, it's like when you go to new york city and get pizza it's not that every single pizza place there is better than every single pizza place in other cities it's just mm-hmm. it's not it's that in other cities you have a handful of good pizza places and in new york city the 145th best pizza place is still really freaking good because exactly. you can't you can't stay open unless you're really really good you go out of business exactly. so it's like that in buffalo it's not that every single place is better wings than every single place in every other city the best place in other cities are oftentimes really really good uh-huh. it's just that your second and third best places are trash and in buffalo the 17th best place that's a hole in the wall somewhere down the road is still really freaking good wings because you you can't stay yep. open if they're not really good Yep. So, so I don't know if you know this. In, in Atlanta, we had a Duff's. Oh, uh, uh, yes. Out yes. of the airport. So we, I, my wife and I, used to go there often. You should just take the drive. It was about forty-five minutes. We take the drive and go to Duff's. They just opened about twenty minutes from me. They just opened an anchor bar. So Duff's closed uh, during the pandemic and everything. Yeah. But they opened an anchor bar. So you know, kind of take the go. Really, with the very cool. Um, That's awesome. That's awesome. There's a really great uh, presence from uh, Bill's Backers Bar in Atlanta. Oh yeah. And, you know, we, there's three, three big yeah. ones. Yeah, so I, we yep. had a ball uh, when we obviously the Bills playing against the Falcons that year. Um, that was a ton of fun. I, I had the I think Duff's catered that one for the big tailgate yeah. party. Yeah, it was a lot yeah. Of fun. yeah. I, I I was a big fan of that one. Uh, I was flying in and out for that game, so um, that was fun. I, I was still traveling. I wasn't living here full time yet, but uh, oh, okay, cool. cool. I, I I flew I flew in for for that game. My cousin actually works at the Falcon Stadium, so she kind of. Get, nice. stuck me in real Get quick uh, yeah exactly exactly good a lot of fun but greg i appreciate you coming on man i yeah, appreciate you great, taking man. the time to chat with us uh where can everyone find you in, on twitter find your cover one friends on twitter uh and all of that good stuff so you can find all of our work over at cover one.net you can search on youtube for cover one you find our channel over there you can find me hosting the cover one buffalo podcast on twitter at greg thompson having a good time always going back forth with bills fans answering questions about the salary cap all the nonsense is going on right now uh but yeah head of blast man this is charlie this is a lot of fun man i appreciate it when's your guys podcast air when can people so find your we, podcast? we do wednesday nights at nine o'clock um during the season we do wednesday nights and post game right up immediately after every game okay. uh so you can find us wednesday nights at nine o'clock we go live on youtube on twitter on facebook everywhere like that and then we put it out via podcast the next day uh so you usually have that late wednesday night or thursday mornings excellent greg man i i really appreciate you coming on um you've been a lot of help i think and have have, have definitely gotten people more excited for the off season and moves yet to come and the draft for that matter. Uh, again, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, man. I really appreciate Greg, uh, Greg coming on and joining us today. Uh, a lot of good stuff from him on what Buffalo can do to free up some more cast space, uh, possibly sign some more guys. There's still some big names that are out there and what might happen with the Zach Ertz news. Um, a lot to still come out of one bills drive. A lot of excitement. Um, besides what's going on uh, down at Key Bank Center with the Sabres, although we did have a Ralph Kruger firing finally this week. Um, but I, 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 I'm I'm still curious to see what Kevin Adams decides to do come trade deadline. I think there's a lot of trade partners out there. I don't think Eichel is one of the guys that gets traded, but that's for another podcast. Might, maybe we'll get our, our, our guy Joe Yurden back on and talk about all of that with us. But again, uh, another appreciation to Greg Thompson for coming on. Uh, if you missed it, you can find him on Twitter at Greg Thompson. Uh, 
first and last name. Nice and easy. Nice and easy. G R E G T O M P S E T T on Twitter. A uh, lot of good stuff. And if you can find him tweeting during a hockey game, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. I want to appreciate everyone uh, for tuning in and listening this week. Hopefully next week we can get our good friend Nick back on with us, but we are kind of uh, at a standstill with Nick. So if anyone talks to Nick or sees Nick or anything like that, tell Nick that you miss hearing his voice here on the uh, on the Process podcast, and I would love to get him back on with me on a daily basis. But before we go, guys, I need to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Ethos Performance Rehab. They are the premier physical therapy service of athletes in Buffalo. Their out-of-network status allows them to work one-on-one with every athlete every session. If you're looking for uh, injury treatment, maintenance, or performance training, you'll fit right in with the Ethos team. Uh, You can find them inside of uh, uh, Mustache Barbell Barbell and all of that in Amherst. They are the guys. Um, Again, appreciate Greg coming on and joining us. Appreciate you all listening to us. Um, and folks, remember to like, subscribe, all of that good stuff. Give us a rating wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, find us on Twitter at the underscore process pod. Find my find me on Twitter at childwit68 or Nick Veronica on Twitter at Nick Veronica. Again, appreciate everyone tuning in and listening. Go Bills, go Sabres, and folks, remember to always trust the process. Thank you.